All right, confession time. How many of you forgot to set your clocks ahead an hour? You know why? Because those people aren't here. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. We talked about this a little bit in Sunday school. Um, I, I don't know what would keep our state legislature from voting on leaving it the same. Have you had that thought? I don't care what I don't care if they're Republican, Democrat, Independent, Libertarian, whatever. What what would keep them from just leaving it the same? Um, I, I tried to, to find there's usually some kind of money angle involved. I, I can't figure that out. Um, um, I, I know that, that for some, you know, I like it when it's light longer. Okay, let's leave it daylight savings time. For, Florida just voted to do that. Let's leave it daylight savings time. But it's dark when the kids will go to school. Let's buy them flashlights. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Um, I, I don't have, do you have any problem with kids going to school in the dark? No, I, I don't have any problem with them. They come home in the dark if they're in sports, right? Okay, thanks for letting me get on my little soapbox. I really don't think that I have adjusted from the last time change, to be honest. I, I, even falling back an hour kind of messed me up. Um, and, and so I, I don't think that I, I actually uh, adjusted from that. And this morning when I went in my office to change my clock, I realized that I hadn't changed it the first time, so I'm good. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the message today, maybe, except that uh, you, ever, you ever just get discouraged sometimes? Does anybody ever you just get discouraged? No, just me. All right, well, I'm going to preach to me this morning. Um, it, thank you. You ever just feel like giving up? Anybody? Yeah, some, some of them gave up and didn't come this morning. See, that, that's what it is. Well, I, I don't know about you, but, but there are times when, when you work and work and work and work, and man, you, you think you got a whole lot accomplished, and then something happens and you feel like you're right back where you started. Some of you are like, yeah, my kid just turned 30, and I'm right back where I started. <laughs> I'm sorry, was that too close to home? Well, Paul is writing, we're starting a new series today, this is 2 Timothy, and Paul is writing this second letter to Timothy because Timothy was getting discouraged. Uh, Timothy uh, was, was, Paul at least, seems to, to think that that Timothy was on the verge of just kind of packing it up and moving on. And, and, and I'll tell you, um, Timothy is a pastor. And, and this is one thing that drives me nuts about my fellow brother pastors. And you can tell them, if you know any, that this applies to them. Tell them, I said so. And then don't tell them who I am. But when pastors, I, I, I hear this a lot. Pastors get tired. They just won't follow me anymore. These, these people, in fact, I, I heard, uh, th this is a, a joke, just so you know. There was this guy that, that got up one morning, it was on a Sunday morning, and, and he rolled over to his wife and he said, Honey, I'm not going to church this morning. And she said, well, Why not? He said, Those people don't like me. They're mean. They pick on me. They say nasty things to me and about me. I'm just not going. And she said, Honey, you have to. You're the pastor. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, that's not me. But 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 the, I, I I talk to these guys and 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 they just get discouraged. They just get tired. They've been there. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you if you know this. It takes about two years really to kind of get to know somebody. Do, do you know that? 
especially a pastor-church relationship. It takes about two years. Guess which year is the hardest for most pastors? That from after they get to knowing, so from years two to three, for most pastors is the, mo- is the hardest. And I'm like, yeah, because they know you now. now. Now you have to work on getting along with everybody. And, and I just, I, it, it frustrates me, it really does, um, that these pastors, they, they get to that place, and, and some of them don't even wait until the end of that year from two to three, and they're sending out resumes. They're just tired, and they're frustrated, and, and I'm just like, you know what? Just do it. Just, just stick with it. Um, a friend of mine was there for four years, and I kept telling him he, he'd already been sending out his resume for two years, and I kept telling him, at five years, you really start to get traction. Stay. Wait. And, 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 and watch. Just watch God move and work. The people begin to trust you. You can build relationships. And he left between years four and five. Still, still irritated at it. That was years ago. Well, Paul is apparently... Concern for Timothy, that Timothy is at this place. We, we don't know. Uh, I, I don't know how long Timothy had been at Ephesus. Uh, Paul wrote the first letter, really kind of giving him instructions in the church. This is the way that, that, that you pastor a church. Timothy was a young guy, apparently. Paul said, let no one despise you because of your youth. Now, I know that's all a relative term. I was talking about somebody this morning. I said he was an old guy, and then I paused, and I thought, he was probably my age, but back then he seemed like an old guy. But Timothy was a young guy, and Paul Paul gave him instructions in the first letter, and in the second letter, Paul is is wanting to encourage him. Paul is is wanting to to really kind of keep Timothy from packing up his bags and just leaving. Now, now I'll just say this real quick: this isn't only for pastors to think about this. I know that I know. This would shock you because you guys aren't like this. Do you know that church members sometimes get discouraged and frustrated and pack up and change churches? Do you know that? I know, huh? In other countries, no, I'm kidding. And 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 we're we're gonna get to that a, a little bit later. Actually, it's one of the the first things that that we get into this. But the Apostle Paul, this is if I wanted to give Timothy an overall theme, it would be this. The Apostle Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, fulfill your ministry. Timothy, don't give up. Don't call it quits. Don't pack your bags. Don't get your toys and go home. Timothy, you fulfill your ministry. Now, now it's funny. The Apostle Paul is writing to encourage Timothy. Do you know where Paul is when he's writing this letter? He's in prison. In fact, Paul, at least, believes that his life is soon to be ended. Paul believes that he is at the end of his life. Later on, he writes, I've, I've, I've fought the good fight. I've run the race. In other words, Timothy, I've done everything God has called me to do. That's the impression you get. And here's Paul in prison knowing that his end is near, and he's encouraging Timothy. Because I believe that Paul is afraid that with Paul's leaving this earth and going on to be with the Lord, that Timothy's just going to give up. 
And so Paul is encouraging, and I think Paul is writing this letter, and what he's really saying, we're going to see some things specifically in the next few weeks as we, we go through this, but Paul is saying, Timothy, you stick it out. You fulfill your ministry. I know things are hard. This is during, uh, we, we suppose, during the reign of Nero. I don't know if you heard about him. He, he was the crazy emperor of Rome um, who, who thought it was really cool to take Christians, to stick them on poles and cover them in oil and use them for, for street lights by lighting them on fire. Things are really tough for Christians during this time. And Paul is writing Timothy and he's saying, Timothy, you fulfill your ministry. Whether I'm here, that's the Apostle Paul, is here or not, Timothy, you fulfill your ministry. Let me read uh, the first and, and second verse to you, and then we'll just kind of jump in. And this is the introduction, so we're just going to kind of hit some things, and then we'll, we'll come back and look at, at some of these closer in the weeks ahead. Paul writes in the beginning, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle, now mind you, you remember, these are scrolls. You know, we, we have, we have the, the great advantage of having a piece of paper and we can hold it up and we can see the whole thing. Cynthia was writing a, a reference uh, letter for someone uh, this weekend. And, and in a reference letter, we do this. You want them to know right up front who it is that's writing the letter. So you put your name and your address and everything at the beginning. In a scroll, that's what they had to do. Can you imagine? How fun would this be if you had a scroll that's fairly lengthy and you had to wait to the end to find out who signed it? Wouldn't that drive you nuts? Does anybody like surprises like that? I'll, I'll get in trouble for this, but it'll be fun anyways. My wife loves surprises. She does. She loves surprises. If I walked in and gave her a bouquet of roses, she would be happy, happy. She loves those little Swedish fish. We found out now they have Swedish fish jelly beans. That's all messed up. But anyways, she loves it. If you walk up and give her a surprise, oh, she loves that. I shouldn't tell you this, and I'll get in trouble later, but she stuck with me for 29 years. So, If you want to drive her crazy, tell her you have a surprise for her and you'll give it to her next week. It, it, I know, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Write her a note and don't sign it. Leave something for her and, and don't say that it's from you. That'll just drive her crazy. So, so for her sake, the Apostle Paul began by saying, he began this letter, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now there's a whole lot here. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on these two verses. But, but Paul is, is really, and he shouldn't have to do this with Timothy, but I think because of the, the, the nature of the letter that he's writing and some of the things that he's going to say to Timothy, Paul is really establishing the authority again as an apostle of Jesus Christ. What he's saying when he does that, Paul is saying this comes from God. What I say to you is as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Pay attention. But, but then, I, have you ever had to have a hard talk with somebody? Have you ever done that? And you set them down, and you don't want to start with the hard stuff, and you say, you know I love you, right? 
<laughs> Guys, we, we hate it when our wives say, honey, we need to talk. Oh, no. Because we're thinking, what did I do? And I didn't mean to. Paul establishes his authority as apostle. And then, and then he establishes his relationship or reminds Timothy of his relationship with him. He says to Timothy, my beloved child. Timothy, you wouldn't be any more of a son than if you were my biological kid. Is kind of what he's saying. Timothy, you're my son in the faith. And then Paul goes on. I'm just going to hit a couple of highlights with you. Paul really, I can see three things in here that the Apostle Paul is telling to Timothy that we need to pay attention to. So three things to remember is the way that, that it says in your notes. The first one is this. Timothy, it is God who calls you. Why is that important to know? Because when God calls you, then you need to fulfill your ministry. He says in, in 2 Timothy 1.9, here's the way Apostle, the Apostle Paul writes a little bit later, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. He's saying, Timothy, don't forget, you're not there because you want to be. You're not there because, you know, we'll throw it in, in our, our relative, uh, our context. Timothy, you're not there because the pastor search committee called you. Timothy, you're not there because that group of people that we call a church, that local church called you. Timothy, you are there because it is God who calls you. Uh, for, for pastors all the time, that's something if they don't have, they won't make it. But you know what? It's something that if we don't have as individual believers, we won't make it. I don't know if you realize this, but if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, God has called you. You're like, uh-uh. Uh-huh. God has called you. Look what he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. The Apostle Paul kind of echoes the same thing that he told Timothy. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. <coughs> And it is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For, we always stop there, because Ephesians 2.8.9 is a great passage, but Paul goes on, For we are His workmanship. So why did God save you? This is what he's saying. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Get this, God has called you, and he's called you for a particular purpose. So sometimes we kind of forget. We talked about this a little bit in Sunday school this morning. Sometimes we forget. We think it's about us. Well, I don't like, I don't like that anymore. You suppose Jesus thought that while he's on the cross? You think the Apostle Paul thought that as, as he's in prison now, the Holy Spirit had told Paul kind of what was going to happen, that he was going to be arrested in Jerusalem, and that he was actually going to go before the emperor in Rome. So the, the Apostle Paul knew it was coming. Do you guys remember that? In, in Acts chapter 20, uh, the Apostle Paul is, is actually telling the elders uh, in Ephesus, this is what's going to happen. 
and they pleaded with him not to go. So the Apostle Paul kind of knew that that was going to happen. But do you suppose that anywhere along the way, the Apostle Paul said, you know what, this isn't fun anymore. These people don't like me. This is hard. We need to remember that it is God who calls us. You know this, but we need to be reminded of this. I know I do a lot. That you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. You ever thought about that? I know. that <laughs> That's kind of hard for us sometimes. But what I like to do sometimes, and, and I love picking on our, our students, yeah, sometimes, you know, like when they're in that mode, you know, like the whole world revolves around them. I, I tell them, come here, come here, stand in the middle. And I grab another person, we hold hands, and we start going around in circles around them. And I say, you know what we're doing? And they say, what? I said, we're revolving around you, but guess what? The whole world doesn't revolve around you. It's not about you. It's not about me. Do you know why you exist? You exist for him. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. It's God who calls you. And it's about what He wants you to do, not what you want to do. Now, it's great when those two coincide. Have you ever had that happen? That, that you have a desire to do something and you really believe that's what God's calling you to do and you jump in and you're doing it and, man, it's amazing. But even that particular ministry, after a while, there's just some mundane things that you run into. I'm afraid that we're raising generations, and we always pick the one below us, right? <laughs> that we're raising generations with the thought that it's all about them. And so they get a job, and they don't have it very long because that job's not fun anymore. They start out to do something, maybe it's school, or, or they start out to, to do something, and, and they don't finish it because it's not fun anymore. This is harder than I thought it was going to be. And you know what? If, if, if I can't have fun, I shouldn't be doing it. The Apostle Paul reminds Timothy, Timothy, it is God who calls you. It's not about you. It's about God's call. The second thing, I'm sorry, there are two, two parts in here. One is for salvation. Isn't that amazing? I love it. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And, and that's not even of yourself. God, God even gives you that initial spark of faith so that nobody can boast. He says the same thing uh, to, to Timothy, who saved us. And called us. God, God got a hold of you. I don't know what your conversion experience is, what, how you came to faith in Christ, but I know with me, the best way I can describe it is God grabbed this little 15-year-old punk, red-headed, freckly-faced kid and just got a hold of him. And I'm so glad he did. God saved me. And at that point, I'm his. And the second part of that is for ministry. He didn't save us so that we could enjoy the rest of this life. Do you know what? It's not about this life. I know we think it is, and we act like it is, and this is all of us. This is universal for us. We forget it's not about this. This is all preparation for eternity. Everything we do here is about eternity. It's not just for this. Even though, when God saw fit to let a coffee shop open right next door, it sure felt a whole lot about me. (laughs) 
that he saved us, but he saved us to serve him. He saved us for ministry. It is God who calls us. The second thing is this. It's not only God who calls us, but it's God who equips us. Have you ever felt inadequate for a task? Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> You're like, yeah, every day when I get up. We're thinking, you know, I, I can't do this. This is, this is over my head. I'm overwhelmed. I know none of you guys ever feel overwhelmed, especially calendar-wise, right? Here's what Paul says to Timothy, verse 6. For this reason, Paul's saying, look, Timothy, I'm writing because here's what, I, here's what I need you to know. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Here's what he's saying. is Timothy, God has gifted you for what he's called you to do. I know that's hard for some of us to believe. You're like, man, if I got a spiritual gift, I don't know what it is. I, I think there's two things in here that the Apostle Paul is referring to. The first one is the Holy Spirit. Do you guys know, I, I know you know this, sometimes we just need to be reminded of this, that as a believer, God's Spirit indwells you. I know that we, we don't think that through a whole lot. Because I think if we really did, if we really got a hold of that, we'd, we would act differently. The way that, that it's said in Scripture is the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the Spirit that lives within you. And, and, and at the day of Pentecost, when that happened, that was the first time in history that God's Spirit indwelt the hearts of men. Up until then, you see these, this terminology like God placed His hand upon them or He put His Spirit upon them. That's why David, if you know, after David sinned with Bathsheba, David's saying, and don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. That's not a salvation thing at all. David's remembering what happened to Saul. The king just before him, that God, God put His Spirit upon Saul. God empowered him for, the, for what He's calling to do. And then Saul disobeyed and disobeyed and disobeyed. And there was one point where it says God just took his spirit away. And Paul basically went insane. So when David said, God, don't take your spirit away, what he's saying is, Lord, don't, don't remove your spirit from me. And at the day of Pentecost, God did something that had never happened before in humanity. God placed his spirit within the hearts of men inside so that we don't have to worry about the holy spirit leaving us he's god's seal his his um uh, guarantee for our salvation god's spirit lives in you but there's a second part of that is paul tells us that the holy spirit gives gifts liberally as he chooses we have spiritual gifts and, and I know, you know, this is kind of hard. We can take the, the, the spiritual gift inventories. Have you guys ever taken those? Those are decent indicators. You know, sometimes they help us, you know, give us a direction to kind of know uh, what it is. But, but what is clear is that if you are a believer, then God has given you at least one spiritual gift. And that sounds really weird even when I say you, you've got a spiritual gift. What it means is that's, that's a gift that he's given you 
that he uses that gift when you do that much and God does that much. And you say, I know that wasn't me. You've heard me say this many times, but I love it. The story of Billy Graham, Chuck Swindoll, uh, thinking about Billy Graham. And Billy Graham would go and do these crusades and thousands and thousands of people would come to faith in Christ. And Chuck Swindoll said, well, I'm going to check this out. And he goes and, and it's in a football stadium, which typically they were back in those days. And, and, and Billy Graham is, is giving the plan of salvation. And Chuck Swindoll said, well, anybody can do that. I can do that. And then Billy Graham, I don't know if you've ever heard Billy Graham crusade. He gives a very simple invitation, super simple. Like even I can understand it, that simple. And Chuck Swindoll said, well, that's no, nothing special. I can do that. And then the bleachers empty into the field and Chuck Swindoll said, I can't do that. You see, because God has given Billy Graham that gift. And Billy Graham, one of the humblest men ever to walk the earth. Billy Graham would say, you know what, it's God. <laughs> I do that, and God does that. That's what a spiritual gift is. When, when you make yourself available, and it's that gifting that God has given you, and whether it's teaching or leading or administration, discernment, I, that one's fun. Um, I, I've always heard discernment is better felt than telt. What that means is if you have to go around saying, I've got the gift of discernment, maybe you don't. Um, Whatever it is, that's just when God places his hand. And it's just a gift you have. We don't all have the same gift. Some, some of us might. But God has gifted you. Why? <laughs> because he's called you. He's called you. He saved you to serve. And God has equipped you to serve him. And, and I, I almost feel like the, the less qualified we feel, the more God is going to be able to use us in a gifting that he's given us. Because we acknowledge that it's him and we rely upon him and his spirit to do the work. And, and finally, something that, that Paul tells Timothy that, that we need to be reminded of is it is God who strengthens you. You ever, you ever just feel like, I, just, I don't have any more. Have you been there? I'm out. I'm done. No more. <laughs> You've heard this saying, and I don't like this one, but I'll change it a little bit, that when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. You ever heard that? Sometimes you're like, I can tie a knot, but I don't know if I have enough strength to hang on. Listen. It is God who strengthens you. When you get to the end of your rope, you know what you need to do? Just let go and rest in the arms of God. Don't, don't tie a knot and hang on. Let God do the work. It's God who strengthens you. Here's what he says, 1 Timothy um, chapter 1, verse 7. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, and I would add to that, you want to add to Scripture, but I think this goes with what Paul's telling Timothy. Not of fear or discouragement, but of power and love, and self-control. Paul's telling Timothy something that we need to be reminded of. You know what? If you're fearful, who are you depending on? You. You've tied a knot at the end of the rope and you're hanging on. If you're fearful, you're not dependent on the right one because God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. 
God doesn't give us uh, th- this, this attitude of worry. When you're worrying about something, that means you're not trusting God for it. He said, but God has given us a spirit of power and of love and self-control. Listen, we are indwelt by the Spirit of God. We used to have it up there. If God is for us, who can be against us? I like to say it this way. If God is for us, what does it matter who's against us? We don't, it's not that God is on our side. We need to make sure we're on His. And when we're relying on Him and leaning on Him, He's the one who strengthens us. You don't feel like you're up to the task? Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> because that's when we trust Him. And trust in Him to strengthen. I, I don't know if you've ever done anything like this before, but, but there are sometimes that you're just afraid to get started. You're just afraid to do it. But for some reason, you take that first step. And then the next step, and then the next step. I heard on the show the other day, how is it that you're up and walking around? And they said, well, I just put one foot in front of the other, <laughs> just like you. That if we, if we take that step in faith, then we realize God is faithful. And that He's going to give you the strength. He's going to equip you to do what He's called you to do. He always does. I, I love it a, a little bit later on in here. Paul's talking to, to Timothy, and he says, even when we're faithless, God is still faithful. Isn't that cool? When you don't have any strength, He'll give you strength. When you don't have ability, He'll equip you. When you don't have anything else to hold on to, you can hold on to the fact that God has called you. And that's what, that's what Paul is trying to encourage Timothy with here. And, and I'll encapsulate all this into verse 6. When Paul says, fan into flame the gift of God. And that's what I want to challenge you with this morning. Fan into flame the gift of God. Most of us in here have wood-burning stoves, don't we? Yeah. I need to get a new one, but they told me when I first came, um, one of the things I need to get is a baffle. You know what that is? Isn't that what it's called? That was it. The bellows. What's a baffle? I don't know. I'm baffled. No. (laughs) The bellows. Now, you can blow on it if you want to, but that's the hard way. But but that, that's when you, you, you put the wood in there at night and boy, it's just going and it's all nice and toasty and, and you put the damper on and you get up in the morning and there's still some coals in there, isn't there? Just a few little coals. If not, then you need to get a different stove. But a few little coals in there and, and you put the new wood in there and then you grab your bellows. I, I'm going to mess that up again the next time I say it. You grab your blower thingy. <laughs> And, and, and Paul says, Timothy, fan into flame. Get, get that air going. To, and, and, and watch those embers begin to glow. And they get brighter and brighter. And, and then at one point, I'll just admit to you, I'm a bit of a pyromaniac. There's a story about a bed catching on fire when I was five. And it's true. Um. Don't try this at home. I, I forget we got kids in here. Don't play with matches. But I like, I, I like those kinds of things. I, 
I, I like seeing if I can get that fire going again. And, and, and when, you're, when you're with the bellows and, and you've got the air going in there and it gets brighter and brighter and brighter and you watch the smoke, and at one point it just ignites. Now, I still have both of my eyebrows, which is a testimony, but don't put lighter fluid on there before you do this. Okay? Just saying. But when you do that, at one point it just ignites. And you've done what Paul is calling Timothy to do. What I'm going to challenge you to do is to fan into flame the gift that God has given you. It's there. You may just be embers right now, but fan that into flame. What do I mean by that? Let me give you three things and we'll close with this. One, that the gift that God has given you, discover it. And you say, how do I do that? I don't know. No. There are a lot of different ways that you can do that. Discover it. You, you can take a, a, a spiritual gift inventory. You can find them uh, online. Just, just be careful for a couple of reasons. One is any kind of little inventory like that is only going to be based on your answers. A really good one uh, that I would have you do is print it out. You do it, and then you let someone who knows you really well do it. Um, I, that's one of the ways that, that I've discovered um, a, a spiritual gift is someone told me, you have the gift of, and I'm like, uh-uh. And then I thought, you know what? I, I think I do. Right? So discover it. Sometimes discovering your spiritual gift is just trying something. You think, you know, I, I don't know if I have the spiritual gift of teaching, but I sure like to teach. Try it. And when you do that much and God does that much, I'd say you probably got the spiritual gift of teaching. Some of you are going, I think I got the spiritual gift of drinking coffee. Try it. <laughs> That would be a tool. So, but discover it. Find out what it is. Don't give up. I know. When all else fails, pray about it. <laughs> right? That's usually where we go. Ask God, Lord, show me what my spiritual gift is. Do you think God would give you a gift and say, you know what? No, you got to figure it out. I'm not telling you. What kind of heavenly father do you think he is? He loves you. He wants you to know. Pray, ask him. Discover it. The, the second one is this, cultivate it. Once you have an inkling, maybe this is my spiritual gift, cultivate it. That is, put it, put it to, to use. Try it out. Maybe go, go to take some seminars or, or a workshop or, um, goodness, go with me. I'll take you to a conference. We'll, we'll go somewhere and, 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 and cultivate that a little bit. Sometimes... Uh, because God has given us a spiritual gift doesn't mean that, that we don't need any training in it. It doesn't mean we don't need to sharpen that. Cultivate it. Sharpen it. And then finally, sometimes you just got to jump in with both feet. Just use it. <laughs> just, just put it into practice. And, and I know, man, I know. We say, but I don't have time. We don't have a ministry of coffee drinking. I'll help you start one tomorrow. No. You might say, I don't, but we don't have a ministry. I don't know how that would fit in. Find ways. I say all the time, I'll, I'll brag on her because she's here. Um, my wife has the spiritual gift of encouragement. Um, she writes notes. She does little things. And, and so... You, you guys already know this. I know you do. But if you ever get a gift from us, 
and you come and tell me thank you, you just go ahead and tell me what it is I gave you, all right? Because I don't know. That She just does that. She's always thinking about that way. And just a little note or a little text or a, a little gift. She all the time, oh, I'm, you know. I ask her, I, well, I don't ask her as much as I used to. What are you buying that for? Oh, it's for so-and-so. Because she paid attention when you said that you like peanut butter cups. Oh, by the way, I finally got around to taking, they made me on my birthday a sign, and it had Reese's peanut butter cups taped on there. Do you know what? Nearly every one of those opened when I took them off. I don't know how that happened. I'm going to have to eat all those. We don't have a formal ministry of encouragement here. Doesn't mean you can't use your gift of encouragement. Use it. Find a way. Come to me. We'll find a way. It may be a ministry that we need to start. It might not. It might just be something. Maybe we can just help you find ways to just jump in and just kind of do that on your own. You don't have to have a formal ministry to be able to exercise your spiritual gift. And we know that God has given us spiritual gifts so that we can use them in the body for the building up of the body, for the maturing of the body. Why? Because let's don't ever, ever forget our mission. It's to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you have the spiritual gift of organization and you say, well, how in the world... Am I going to organize things and God use that to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ? I've heard people say, I don't like organized religion. And I said, well, come to our church because we're not always real organized. (laughs) But we need to be in some areas. Just jump in. Use it. Try it. Test it. Don't give up. Fan into flame the gift God has given you. Let's pray. Lord, I'm amazed that you choose to use us to share the gospel with a lost and dying world. I cannot believe that there's not a better way. I I, I cannot believe, God, that, that, that you couldn't just let angels come and proclaim. I can't believe, Lord, that you would choose to use us. But God, what a privilege that you did. And there's not a single one of us in here that are going to be used perfectly, and yet, God, you still take that. And and, and, and you, you take our imperfect, you take our inability, and you turn it into ability, and then, God, you, you do the work that only you can do in the hearts and lives of people to bring them to faith in Christ. And it humbles me. Father, I pray for every single person here, including myself, Lord, that you would help us to fan into flame the gift that you've given us. And if there's some here who, who don't know, Lord, what the spiritual gift is that you've given them or spiritual gifts, God, that they would seek to discover those, that they would come to you and, Lord, you'd show them. You'd help us to be open what it is that you've called us to do and the way that you've gifted us and, and just allow ourselves to be used by you. And, and then, God, I, I pray that, that you help us to cultivate those, to sharpen, Lord, that we don't ever just sit back and, and wait. 
But Lord, if it's teaching, that you would help us to sharpen the gift of teaching. And to always seek to be better, not for us, but for, but for your glory. And then God, I pray that you'd help us to use the gift you've given us. Lord, I know that time is, is, is the most limited resource that we have. And, and God, I, I seldom ever run across someone who says, you know what, I, I've got more time than I have things to do. But Father, I pray that you would so encourage our hearts, that you would so move us, God, to engage in ministry. Lord, we would make time to serve. Remembering, God, that the reason we're here is to bring honor and glory to you. And, and Lord, the mission that you've given us is to, to disciple, to make disciples, to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And everything else should, should revolve around that. God, it doesn't mean that we don't have time for ourselves or time for things that we enjoy. But God, what it means is that our time belongs to you. Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage and the boldness to let you direct us. And God, I pray that as we do, Lord, you do some amazing things. That you would do amazing things in our hearts that our walk with you would be strengthened and, and close. That you do amazing things within this body of Christ, God, that you would so knit us together, so unify us, Lord, that the world around takes notice. But God, we don't want it to stop there. Lord, I pray that you would step in and move and work, and God, that you would, you would use us to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. There are people who need to hear the gospel, the good news that Jesus came to save us from our sin. Lord, we thank you that we get to be a part of your plan and ask that you'd use us as you desire for the gospel's sake. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.